Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in on the third episode of Baker McKenzie's Funds Tax Talks. Today, we will discuss the new UK qualifying asset holding company regime, commonly known among tax practitioners as the Quack regime. My name is uh, Henrik Sipdonk, and I'm a tax counsel in the Amsterdam office. I'm joined here today by uh, Alistair and Diogo. Welcome. Alistair, can you uh, please introduce yourself? Thanks, Henrik. Hi, everyone. My name is Alistair Craig. I'm a corporate tax partner in Baker McKenzie's London office. Thank you. And, and Diogo? And I am Diogo Duarte Oliveira. I'm a tax partner in our Luxembourg office. Welcome. Alistair, to start with you, could you please briefly describe to us uh, the new UK quack regime that has been in force for a couple of months now? Sure. Thanks, Henrik. Um, and so just to give listeners a little bit of background and context, uh, so obviously Luxembourg has been for many years the, the jurisdiction of choice for, for fund structures generally, um, but particularly following Brexit, the UK government uh, undertook a, a consultation exercise uh, amongst the fund community, and the response was the introduction of the, the Qualified Asset Holding Company regime, or, or QUAC, as we call it, um, which is intended to be a much more tax-efficient uh, vehicle for uh, investors to participate in various investments via a UK holding platform and to make it broadly comparable with the Luxembourg regime. And so, just to summarize very brief, briefly the main tax benefits of the of the QUAC regime, which are, one, no UK corporation tax on, on disposals of uh, investments or overseas property, um, with the exception of, of UK real estate or, or UK land-rich companies. Uh, no withholding tax on interest payments paid to investors out of a UK QUAC including certain types of, of deemed uh, distributions, uh, such as profit participating loans, etc. Um, capital treatment for uh, investors into the quack on, on share redemptions, share buybacks, as well as a broad-based exemption from stamp duty and SDRT on such share buybacks, um, and various uh, UK anti-avoidance rules in relation to, to transactions and securities are also, are also switched off. So overall, a pretty advantageous regime, and it particularly switches off some of the, um, the anti-avoidance rules that would, that would otherwise apply. Thank you, uh, Alistair. Uh, Dioko, taking into account Alistair's summary, uh, how would you compare the Quack regime to the, uh, to the Luxembourg fund regime? Sure, uh, Henrik. Thank you. So the, the Luxembourg equivalent to the UK qualified uh, asset holding company is, is the Luxembourg Soparfi. The, the Soparfi is, is a Luxembourg standard holding company regime, is the most popular investment vehicle in Luxembourg and is also the holding company that Luxembourg investment funds and offshore investment funds will consider to use to invest and, and all their assets. Um, it will usually take the legal form of a private limited liability company. It will be in principle subject to Luxembourg corporate income tax. We'll have access to the double tax treaty network, the EU parent subsidy directive, the EU interest and royalty directive important for, for the flow of these payments within the EU. And domestically, um, it will benefit from Luxembourg participation exemption that if certain conditions are satisfied, exempts dividends, capital gains, liquidation proceeds from, from Luxembourg corporate income tax. 
and on real estate investments, both rental income and capital gains will also be exempt um, according to the Luxembourg uh, tax treaties. On, on the repatriation side, Luxembourg does not levy withholding tax on arm's length interest paid by these um, holding companies, no withholding tax on the buyback of classes of shares, um, the disposal of shares in the holding company, in the subarfi, only in very limited cases uh, will trigger non-resident capital gains taxation. And um, Luxembourg does not have a stamp duty on the transfer of shares or redemption of, of shares. So this is in, um, in uh, short uh, how the, the tax regime of, of the subparfi looks like. So, so broadly, we, we can conclude, I think, that uh, both regimes have uh, comparable benefits. Alistair, um, could you walk us through the uh, steps to qualify for the Quack uh, regime? Of course, yeah, there, there are a few conditions that need to be met. Uh, most of them are reasonably straightforward, but I'll just summarize those for the benefit of, of everyone listening to this. So the first condition is that um, you need to make an election for, for a particular UK company to be regarded as a quack. Uh, that's a fairly straightforward thing to do. Um, the second condition is that the quack must be a UK tax resident company. So it uh, doesn't need, interestingly, to be UK incorporated, uh, so that may present some opportunities, uh, for example, to have a company which is incorporated in somewhere like Jersey or Guernsey, but with its place of effective management in the UK, such that it's regarded as UK tax resident. And you may want to do that for a few reasons. Um, For example, uh, I I mentioned the stamp duty and SDRT exemption on buybacks from a a quack. Um, That exemption would not apply to the extent you transferred shares in the quack. But if you had a non-UK incorporated company, then you'd have no stamp duty or SDRT on share transfers. And also, it it may be advisable sometimes to use uh, a company incorporated outside the UK because the likes of Jersey or Guernsey have pretty flexible company law when it comes to um, the likes of share buyback transactions, which otherwise would require the availability of distributive reserves under under English company law. uh, the main, kind of, frankly, most fundamental condition that has to be met is that is in relation to the investor base of the quack, and so at least seventy percent of the investors in a, in a quack uh, should be so-called category A investors or or good investors. So that broadly covers uh, institutional investors, uh, pension funds. Uh, and, and qualifying funds. And by qualifying funds, what do we mean? We mean funds which are diversely owned, um, eligible funds with regulated managers. So broadly, collective investment schemes or alternative investment funds that satisfy the genuine diversity of ownership test or which are not not closed funds. So, I mean, very broadly, the, the benefits of the quack regime may not be available to certain uh, closed-ended funds, um, but for anything that is more widely held uh, or institutional investors, one would expect the quack to be available. And then the final two conditions briefly are, uh, one, the so-called activity condition, uh, which states that the main activity of the quack must be the carrying on of investment business as opposed to trading business. And then the final one is the investment strategy condition, which states that the the investment strategy of the quack uh, should not involve uh, the acquisition of publicly listed or publicly traded equity securities 
unless the acquisition of those is, is a precursor to an acquisition of a publicly held company by the Quack. Thank you, Alistair. Um, when you hear this, uh, Diogo, are, are there any s- similar conditions in, in, in Luxembourg or can you highlight uh, the differences? Yes, so I think that um, Alistair uh, referred to um, the type of investors that the Quack will um, have to um, accept to be put in, in place uh, or restrictions on the type of the investors. Luxembourg so far does not involve any limitation on the type of, of investors, any type of investment funds, um, regulated or non-regulated, closed-ended or open-ended, widely held or not widely held, institutional investors or private investors. That really does not make any difference. The tax regime will not be affected um, by um, the type of of investors or shareholders that it will have. Um, On the other end, on on the asset side, when we look at the the tax regime, the corporate income tax exemption of uh, dividends um, for dividends, capital gains and liquidation proceeds is subject to three main conditions. Uh, The taxable status of the subsidiary or the target entity, uh, the minimum holding period for 12 months and the minimum size participation, which is uh, either 10% of the share capital of the subsidiary or if that um, uh, percentage of, of share capital is not reached, uh, at least an acquisition price of uh, 1.2 million euros for the exemption of dividends and liquidation proceeds and 6 million euros of minimum acquisition cost for the exemption um, on capital gains. I would not call the the three conditions to apply the the participation exemption um, a hurdle. Uh, There is a a long track record and and experience for many, many years applying the regime. And um, I believe reality shows that the Luxembourg regime with the three conditions to apply the participation exemption as uh, as proven to be to be compatible with with most fund strategies and and structures, and yes, uh, I mean those would be two two differences to to the quack that uh, I would highlight, uh, Henry. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Diogo. That's uh, that's very interesting. So, in in terms of um, existing funds, do you believe that there is a an appetite? that these funds move to the UK to benefit from the quack regime? I have not seen uh, an appetite for restructuring or migrating the existing holding structures as um, as a result of the introduction of the um, quack regime. Um, I think that uh, uh, new funds and new investment uh, holding platforms will be considered uh, on a case-by-case basis, depending on the the asset manager organization, or even depending on each uh, fund strategy and and, and structure. um, uh, There is uh, not yet uh, a trend um, because the the structures uh, still remain uh, very, very equivalent. Okay, that's, that's, I think, very good to know. So we we are basically focusing on, on new funds that may consider uh, the UK instead of, of Luxembourg. In, in, in that 
scenario, I think uh, substance is, is a key issue. Um, Alistair, do you think uh, the new development in the EU around ATAT 3, the so-called Unshell uh, Directive, could, could have an impact on, on, on these regimes? Yeah, possibly is the answer, I think, Henrik. Uh, I mean, just go back to the point that Diogo made. Um, it, I mean, it's early days for the, for the Quack regime. It's only been enforced for uh, less than a year. Um, but he, I think uh, Diogo's right. We haven't seen a, a kind of mass migration of existing holding structures from Luxembourg to the UK. Um, I think there are still somewhere around 100 Quacks currently uh, in existence already, but but um, I think the question more is around, as you say, uh, the establishment of, of new structures. And, and you're right; the one one factor that may um, be taken into account is, is around, you know, where can you establish substance most easily? Uh, and that's that's both a kind of commercial and practical question, but it's also a question of having one eye to. EU directives such as um, the the Unshell directive under ATAD three, um, you know, that that may not be an issue for for, for many funds, but uh, it may be something that others are more concerned about. Uh, and so, you know, having a, a UK platform such as the Quack may be advantageous from that perspective. That said, um, I think we would generally expect that the EU will at some point try to extend the concept, the kind of unshell concept, to include uh, non-EU uh, tax resident vehicles as well. So, so we, we may end up in, in from, from the perspective of how the quack is treated vis-a-vis -vis the EU, we may end up in, in the same place as, as, as ATAD 3 would bring us to. Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. Uh, I think that uh, the, the Commission... Um, has issued a, a press release where it has confirmed that it would indeed uh, also propose legislation to address the misuse of uh, entities uh, with no or low substance uh, outside the EU to level the, the playing field in, in, this, in this regard. And, and so it is expected that um, the, the, same, the same rules and parameters will apply to to both um, holding uh, holding companies in the EU and outside the EU, there is also um, uh, a chance. I mean, the directive is is under discussion. The Commission proposed the text. The EU Parliament supports the proposal, but suggested several amendments. And we know that at Council level, uh, member states are still discussing and um, have not reached uh, a, a consensus. But there is still uh, also um, hope that similar to uh, Pillar 2, holding companies held by investment funds could be carved out. Today, it's not the case as we speak, um, that, that carve out, that exemption for holding companies held by um, investment funds uh, does not, has not been contemplated. But there have been discussions uh, to, to introduce it. Um, that will also um, be something to, to keep an eye on to, uh, to assess what and how to, to structure the, the holding companies under the fund. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, uh, Diogos. Well, guys, I believe I, I got a fair understanding of the new uh, crack regime and the key differences from the, the Luxembourg regime. Uh, is there anything else that, that you may want to highlight to our listeners at this point in time? Alistair, you want to kick off maybe? 
Yeah, sure. Thank you, Diogo. I, I guess I would just say uh, that hopefully we've given listeners a, a very good idea of, of the key features and benefits of, of both regimes. I think the UK government has made a genuine attempt to make the UK a more attractive uh, location for, for fund investors to hold uh, their investments through. And as, as we've articulated, you know, what one key benefit compared to Luxembourg is, is the lack of conditions around uh, the, the the assets themselves in terms of not having those those uh, minimum percentage tests etc that you have in Luxembourg although I, I acknowledge those are navigable in, in most cases uh, and, and clearly the from the investor perspective um, you know Luxembourg has a slight advantage because there are fewer conditions around what types of investors are eligible to participate in a SOPAR fee versus versus a quack. But I think broadly speaking, uh, my view would be that certainly for, for um, you know, new funds being set up, uh, you know, the, the analysis really should be taking into account both jurisdictions that are obviously not tax and non-tax factors. But um, I think you know, both regimes are, are broadly equivalent, but for slightly different reasons. Yes, and, and my, um, I, I absolutely agree, Alistair, and I, I think that um, for for future fund structures, it will be always a case by case analysis, the circumstances of each asset manager, how it is organized, and maybe even of each fund uh, will be eventually contributing to 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 that assessment and whether it makes sense to to have the the investment platform in Luxembourg or or not, um, there is the, the, an element that is the regulatory nexus. Um, so for asset managers that will raise capital in, in, um, through a Luxembourg fund with the EU passport, maybe it will make more sense to, uh, to consider um, one single location, uh, the fund and the Luxembourg holding company and use service companies, uh, uh, group service companies to to support that that operation. And in, in other cases where there is less exposure to the EU, um, uh, it will be uh, more appropriate to 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 consider um, an offshore um, a UK a UK UK structure. But um, everything remains to to be seen. It's to it's very early to to know what will uh, the, the players decide at the end. That means that we have to uh, stay tuned and uh, we may have the opportunity to have the same topic in the podcast in, in about three years and uh, discuss what the market did do. Anything else, uh, guys, from your side? We meet in two years to... Uh have the same discussion and see how it uh, uh, went after all. Exactly. Look forward to it. I know that our listeners can reach out to either of you if they have any uh, questions on these topics. Thank you very much, Alistair and uh, Diogo, for your participation. For everyone still tuned in, we hope this was a very helpful summary and that you uh, will tune in and look out for our next podcast. <laughs>